Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and each and every week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, cast our eyes over everything happening inside and outside the world of professional wrestling in a show made by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. Coming up this week, yes, you've heard right, Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes have parted way with AEW in a move that has shocked wrestling fans around the world, with one of the founding fathers of All Elite Wrestling looking like he's WWE bound. It's news that no one would have considered plausible just a few weeks ago, and today we talk all about the implications and ramifications of this seismic moment. And as if that weren't bonkers enough, could Stone Cold Steve Austin be on his way back to WWE for his first match in nearly two decades at WrestleMania? In Texas, if the rumours are to be believed, that's exactly what we're heading, and what a bonkers moment that would be. So, plenty to get into today, including the final build to Elimination Chamber, fantasy booking, gym etiquette, a big butter debate, and so much more, all coming up right now on Earning the Push. Can someone pick up the phone, call up wrestling's dad, and ask him to come and pick him up because his son is very drunk? His son is drunk, he's doing stupid things, he's saying stupid things. Wrestling is just doing mad things that no one saw coming at the moment. And Could someone come and pick him up, please? What is going on? Why is one of the EVPs of AEW leaving to go to WWE? What is going on? I, I, started, my, I started an hour and 20-minute drive, and during that drive, I got four texts from you that I didn't open until I got to the service station. One of them said... Look at this rumour Sean Ross Sapp is talking about. And then, oh, someone else is talking about it. And the next one said, and here's it confirmed. And then the last one said, oh, my God. And there were the four texts I arrived to. And that was over about half an hour. And that was everyone's feelings. I mean, where did you start with this one, mate? Well, I started with thinking Sean Ross Sapp is usually right. But this one just struck me as, as so ludicrous that it couldn't be true and literally as I tweeted I'd be really stunned if this is right but he's not usually wrong AEW put out a statement then Cody and Brandy put out a statement and it's confirmed I mean I am absolutely stunned that one of the founders of AEW has left the company we said last week what would it take to generate buzz around WWE none of us thought the thing that would do it is a potential Cody Rhodes return. I, I could not have predicted it. No, it, it one of the last things I'd predict in wrestling that won the... He went and founded an opposition company, and then he's going back to his opposition. It's it's crazy. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, Cody certainly doesn't subscribe to the short and sweet thoughts, does he, with his statements? <sighs> Took about three hours to get through that. <laughs> that was quite a read, his statement. It's one of those things where you always hear that what it boils down to is cash and creative. Now, we don't know why Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes have left AEW. No one has come out and said, and there will be, I'm sure. Have, they, have, they, not, have they not responded to our emails? No, no, sadly not. They have, they have ignored our, our, did you our use? Did you use the official email account or did you use your personal one again? I used both. I used both. both. I've harassed them for, for statements right. on this. But I, I suppose the thing that it comes down to is, Clearly, there was something at AEW 
that they were no longer happy with to to convince them to leave. Now, it might have been perfectly amicable when they reached that point on both sides. But the idea that one of the EVPs of this company has decided, actually, the grass is greener for me somewhere else is a stunner. It's crazy. And I tell you what will be must-see viewing is if we, and let, let's let's uh, speculate the WWE is where, as you said, at least Cody is ending up. We haven't got any confirmation on that, but that seems to be the murmurs. Oh, that first promo when he walks into a WWE ring, because I imagine he will be shooting from the hip and allowed to say as he pleases. So that will be must watch. Let's go through some of what folks have been saying on social media about this. Adam, when we were talking about it in the week, uh, this has to be a work, doesn't it? It just has to be a work. James, surely Cody shows up at WrestleMania. Andrew, uh, we have no idea what's going on. If he goes back to WWE, he's the guy to dethrone Roman, surely. There are lots ifs of ifs and buts here, not least whether Vince holds AEW against him, but it's a scenario I could see happening. Emma just reacting with a Jeff Goldblum gif and Dan saying just in time for WrestleMania. Um, before we talk about WWE, Let's talk about AEW and, and what this means to them. How much does this news hurt them in, in, in literal terms and also in perception terms? If you start with the loss of Cody Rhodes, the talent first, the wrestler, their roster is so stacked now. This is bonkers to say. I imagine saying this two years ago that I don't think the loss of Cody Rhodes is too huge on the in ring front. They are... It's not like losing a Punk or a Danielson or a Moxley, I don't think, or a, a, a Omega or a Hangman. It's not that sort of level anymore. But the perception is just, surely it's catastrophic, that for whatever reason, I'm sure we'll find out, one of the founders of your company who left the major player because he was that disenfranchised, didn't just leave, he set up another company because he was like, this is not the right way to do it. I'm going to show you the right way to do it. For whatever reason, he is so disenfranchised with what you are doing now that he's gone back to the company he left rather than stay with the one he founded. That's pretty damning. It's it's worth reiterating how much Cody was really the guy for the early days of AEW. I mean, you weren't watching it as regularly as I was back in the early days of Dynamite, but he was who they constructed the show around. And... You know, you had Cody make MJF first and foremost in the early days. You had that classic at Double or Nothing with, with Dustin Rhodes, five stars. And even up until recently, it was only three weeks ago that we were talking about that ladder match with Sammy Guevara and Cody and Brandy in a segment with Dan Lambert. So you have to believe that AEW held out hope right to the end that they would be able to retain him. Yeah, they must have thought there was some way to work it out. And why wouldn't they? Because who in their right mind would have thought they'd go back to the place they left to build a different company? Just, it's baffling. And, oh, how I'd want to be in those rooms seeing the negotiations between Cody's people and Vince right now and see how they're going. Because that's the big question. Is that he comes back, how does Vince view him? Because you can say, how would WWE view him? We all know in this room it boils down to Vince. Everyone listens to this knows as well. You're not, you're not listening to this podcast and not understanding that Vince is judge, jury, and executioner when it comes to WWE. Will he take it personally that Cody went and built this company as made competition? Or I've read reports line of Vince actually quite appreciates entrepreneurial spirit. He has this weird because that's what he did. He when he took when he took WWE from being just a little territory to the global player, he he 
pissed some people off. He didn't he didn't play by the rules, so to speak. So will he hold it against him or will he see this as such a huge win to get him back from AEW that now he'll just push him to the moon because that's the way to tear down the opposition. Well, look and who like, works for him now. Paul Heyman, Jeff Jarrett went through a stint of working for him. Bischoff's been back. Bischoff's been back. Vince McMahon will put, as he should, in fairness, put everything to one side if it's good for business. And they have in Cody Rhodes a guaranteed buzzmaker. They can introduce him whenever they would like and set the wrestling world alight. And Vince surely isn't going to squander that. No, I don't think so at all. I'll tell you what makes me sad is that we haven't got a fit or well enough Triple H to go with that story when he comes in, Cody comes back, especially after that entrance where he literally took a sledgehammer to a throne. Like, who is that aimed at if not Triple H? Um, but if Triple H is up to it, because we don't know where he's at since he's had his heart procedure, obviously, and obviously that comes first, that comes before everything, a little promo segment between them would be nice, wouldn't it? If you can't, if, you, if wrestling's not on, just a little back and forth, something like that. Or, or does Vince bring back Cody as a main eventer, but with no real acknowledgement of um, AEW, just as this guy, because because that is one thing that he's not as big on. Yes, you bring back the person, but no, I mean, I don't see how you get round acknowledging you think, it you think, you think Vince McMahon could help himself with this sort <laughs> of coup? Do you think he could help himself not firing a few shots? Did you not see, I don't know if you've seen, on the, um, the, rest, the WrestleMania um, advert at the Super Bowl, it said, WrestleMania is and gave all these adjectives. And then the last one was a big picture of Roman celebrating with the universal title. It just said, is dynamite. And I was like, ah, I wonder where you've put that word from, Vince. It is extraordinary that we are in, <laughs> what, the seventh week of, of 2022 and Cody Rhodes has walked through the forbidden door, but in the other direction. He's left. I mean, it is just, and and this for me, last week when Keith Lee debuted, I had a bit of fun with you and said, who really in their right mind thought Shane McMahon would walk out on Dynamite? The fact that Cody Rhodes has walked out on AEW for the best of reasons for him and his family, it's what he needs to do. I mean, I now subscribe to the view that nothing will surprise me. Anything can happen. It's the first to go the other way, isn't it, as well? And I spoke about this uh, at the back end of 2021 because of what do we think we'll see in 2022? And I said, I think you'll see the first one go the other way because it has to happen at some point because AW can't keep everyone happy and they've got good wrestlers who can't be happy with their creative or their money or whatever. There's always unhappy people in sports teams and businesses always. And when there's competition, they'll always pick them up. So this is always going to happen. I just didn't think it would be Cody Rhodes. It is extraordinary to see. And and look, good luck to him, but wow. The best tweet I saw about this the whole time I meant to send to you was, I can't remember who tweeted, but Kenny McIntosh retweeted it. He quote tweets, if you want to see it, go there. And someone just tweeted, they should start Dynamite by having Arn Anderson walk out, take out his clock and say, I shot them both and walk off. <laughs> and then just never be seen again. Interestingly, we'll talk a little bit about Dynamite later. Um, there, there was reference to Cody Rhodes in his dog <clears throat> color match with Mr. Brody Lee. So, I, and, and you know what? I think maybe we're in different times. I don't, I don't think that AEW is the sort of company that will write Cody out. I don't think you can write him out, but an absolute stunner to start the show this week. And I use the word stunner mm. advisedly because none of us thought that we would be talking about this week 
in second place, not as a lead story, more rumours that Stone Cold Steve Austin has been offered a big money return to have his first match since 2003 as part of WrestleMania in Texas. It feels like they're teasing an angle with Kevin Owens. Where do we go with that? No, honestly, Mr. Wrestling, please come and pick your son up. Please, because it's just getting ridiculous now. How is this not the big news of the week? How is how is this not the thing we're starting with? What a ridiculous week. Um, right, so, stone cold. Um, do you want to see that? Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. Let's, let's start with the obvious question, which is, if this is confirmed, if Stone Cold Steve Austin does return for the ring for to the ring for the first time in the best part of two decades, how are you feeling about it, Charlie? There are two sides to how I'm feeling about it. The first one is the unadulterated, pure wrestling fan in me who, sorry, one more match with Stone Cold, the the, the glass shot as he walks down his black trunks. Uh, yes, I'll go. I'll go berserk for that. Yes, give me, give me, give me. The other is the probably the human side of me that has watched. Undertaker come back too many times and not be himself has watched Bret Hart come back for that match that was just awful. And Stone Cold, when he retired, was heartbreaking because he was still at his peak. He was still going and we didn't know it was his last. He didn't get that goodbye moment in a match. But it was perfect in the fact that he did. He wasn't a shadow of himself anymore. He was still Stone Cold. Do we want to risk that? Because... We all pretend that the DX Brothers of Structure match didn't happen because it ruins Sean's retirement. Mm. You, can't, you can't pretend a match at WrestleMania doesn't happen. You can kind of pretend the one in Saudi didn't happen on a weird little pay-per-view. You're going to remember WrestleMania matches. So I think the story would be incredible if they did Kevin Owens. I think Kevin Owens would do everything he could to take him to a great match. I think Stone Cold would train like a man possessed to be in the best shape he could. He's just 20 years old than he last did this. I have such mixed emotions. I was talking to people about this earlier in the week, and, and part of me thinks that, do you know what? As, as a fan, I, I, I love Stone Cold Steve Austin. He is absolutely one of the guys, and I think I've loved him more since he started in the sessions. I think he's fantastic. And if they had that match... I don't need a five-star classic. I, you know, you, you want the pop, you want the Luthez press, you want the drinking beer, you you want a little bit of selling, you want him to come out on top. But do I want that enough to bring him out of retirement just for that? And as much as I want to get myself excited about it, there's just something in me that's saying, leave well enough alone. Absolutely. And I think if you did come back, let's say they go with Owens, surely Owens would have to win. What does it do to Owens to have a man who hasn't wrestled in 20 years and had to retire with a broken neck come back and beat you? That, I know he's stone cold. Well, that's the, that's the theory, isn't it? If he's stone cold, you're working with stone cold Steve Austin. Yeah, I just think, I think he had, I, I, if it's Owens, I think he'd have to put Owens over. Uh, but we will we'll cross that bridge if when we come to that, I'm sure. Because, I mean, if this gets confirmed, it's not as if we won't speak about it again. So um, it's, it's just a wild week. Because, yeah, I... Part of me wants that so much, and part of me is so nervous about that potential news. Here's where I think WWE may have an issue, and I'm going to draw an analogy. You see, you try this on for size. You tell me if it seems right to you. When AEW started dropping little CM Punk references, they built the peak of excitement to such a point that 
It had to be punk. It couldn't be anyone else but punk. And WWE, with this Texas storyline, is beginning to drop hints that something is going down with Kevin Owens in Texas. Now, if it's Austin, great. If it's not Austin, they're in a bit of trouble now because the, the rumor mill is, is flying. Are they in a point where they put themselves into a corner? If it's not Stone Cold, then what? Yeah, it's one of those where if they hadn't been dropping hints, you couldn't blame them. You, they can't control what gets reported uh, away from the company a la uh, Gargano at Bash the Beach. We'd all Ooh. decide that was happening. AW didn't say a word about that, but we all decided it was happening. But now they're dropping hints. Oh, it's a dangerous game to play if you can't deliver. If you can't deliver Stone Cold Steve Austin, because that's what people now want, that's what people are expecting, then whatever you do deliver is going to fall flat. Here's my other view on it as well. If you know you're shooting for Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania in Texas in his first match in two decades, and you know he's going to fight someone like Kevin Owens, don't you build Kevin Owens better? for the time leading up to it. Don't you make him this monster or this guy or give him that credibility? Because let, let's be honest, Kevin Owens is great. You and I would both have Kevin Owens on our roster in a heartbeat if we were starting a wrestling company. He has not been portrayed as the top guy in WWE for a long, long time. Don't you want your match with Stone Cold Steve Austin, if it's going to feel as big as it should, to be with a top guy? Yeah, absolutely. But it makes me think they've only... They've um, stumbled across this last minute. They're throwing some money at Stone Cold and clamouring for him. And they're, they're thinking, we will work out what we do with Owens after we've got Stone Cold. If this has been in the pipeline for a year, you absolutely build him. But I think they've come last minute to this. Are we too critical as wrestling fans? Because always. Always. Well, always. Yeah. <laughs> That's our job. Yeah, okay. Yes, we are. But hear me out. Because Ryan, one of our listeners, was saying to me this week, look, what, what do we want? If we is it not enough just to have that nostalgic, cool moment to have however many they can fit in the stadium in, in Texas, let's call it 80,000, 90,000, whatever it is, would we not be happy with that huge pop, that moment of Stone Cold going to the ring, talking, having that? Is it are we asking too much? Or are, and are we cutting off our nose to spite our face almost to say if it's not going to be everything we want, we can't have a little bit of it. It's a really good point because would the pop not be enough? Would not the the vision of seeing him in his black trunks, the knee brace on, back in the ring, would that not be enough? We 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 always want more as wrestling fans. We want him to come out and deliver a five star classic after that, don't we? we want him to be doing uh, a shooting star press off the top rope. Like <laughs> there are things we want, but a Canadian destroyer from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like we always want more. And yeah, that's the argument, isn't it? Would him that pop seeing him in the ring again and then a ten minute average match would that suffice? Probably. I just, my, my thing, I wouldn't want him to get hurt and I wouldn't want him to be awful. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't want to see him be bad. I don't mind if he's fine. I just don't want to see him a bad Stone Cold Steve Austin. We'll talk a little bit about in-ring action this week in a moment or two, but Stone Cold Steve Austin is a great podcast host and podcast fun and games this week, which you were, I haven't got around to watching it yet, but you Ooh. were raving about it. And I've seen some of the clips. Brock Lesnar drops in on Pat McAfee's podcast and causes hell up and havoc, as we'd say in Cornwall. Yeah, if you've got a free half hour or so, give the whole thing a watch. But even if you've only got 10 minutes, go on Pat's Twitter and just watch a few of the clips, because it's just, it's amazing. I mean, Brock is at the most honest and candid I've ever seen him. 
he just is open about everything and speaks really quite um, articulately about, is that a word? Articulately? I'm not speaking articulately. Oh, well done, I am. Yeah. Um, he speaks really articulately about a lot of things and about what he's achieved. And he's, he comes across very humble in some respects. He also then happily refers to himself as one of the one percenters of the one percenters, which is just brilliant because he so is as well. Um, and then he just has so much fun. He breaks a table. He starts doing a Steve. He does a Steve Austin impression, and he does a good Steve Austin impression. And he just—you can tell—he likes Pat, and he talks about why he likes Pat and why he's happy to come to the show and get on with him. And it's just a brilliant interview. And as great as Brock Lesnar is in the interview, Pat McAfee's at the absolute top of his game. And he's just, he has this great skill of, he's a sports guy, so he relates to these guys. He's a wrestling fan. He's done it in the ring. He knows when to just let them go and let them talk and when to intervene. He's a brilliant interviewer. And honestly, I just smiled for half an hour watching it. It's just so much fun. It's a moment that Brock breaks the table, which I don't know how early in the interview it is because I've only seen 30 clips. seconds, 30 <laughs> seconds. It's in the first, he, he moves his leg and almost bre- and like knocks it. And Pat goes, ooh, don't break the table. And he just slams his hands down on it and smashes the table. And you're like, oh, it's been an interview like this, is it? Can I just say for, for regular listeners, as we talk about wrestling being bonkers, one of the biggest turnarounds we have had is you on Brock Lesnar. Because Absolutely. when we started doing this show back in the old place, um, you and Brock Lesnar were not only on separate pages, you were in different books in different libraries. I mean, you you did not see, the, not the appeal, not the value, you always got that, but Brock was not your guy, and now he is. I, I enjoyed Brock Lesnar in the 2017-18 days. On the rare occasions, he looked like he could be bothered to come to work, and that was pretty much his Survivor Series matches against... Styles and then Daniel Bryan. Apart from that, I had no time for Brock Lesnar really because he turned up. Once, I thought he devalued the company, devalued the belt because he turned up once every six weeks, did a little promo, did an F5, left, picked up his paycheck. When he's been bothered, I've always enjoyed watching him wrestle. He's bothered and having fun about wrestling, about his promos. He's working three times a week at the moment. Like, he's there all the time. And this inspired Brock Lesnar, who works a lot, enjoys his, himself and feels like he wants to put on a show. Like he, he speaks on the Pat McAfee show about he wants to put on a show. He wants people to enjoy themselves. You can see that now. I don't think he's always thought that. I don't think he's always cared. Now that it seems like he does, he's just the best to watch. Like even Raw this week in the segment with uh, all the other chamber uh, entrants, he was brilliant. He's taking selfies with the knocked out Austin Theory. Like he's just the best thing they've done is they took Heyman away from him because his, ha- his personality's had to come out. And I can't believe I'm saying that because I love Paul Heyman. And, but bringing out Brock Lesnar, his personality has just been, has been a, a masterstroke. Yeah, it, it has. And, and look, perhaps there's an element in this of when Brock burst onto our TV screens back in 2002, he was a young guy. He was a young lad. We've watched him grow up before our eyes. We've watched him grow big before our eyes. And he always was big, even at the start. Maybe there's just a degree of, the man has matured to a degree and we're seeing a more mature, more settled, more content Brock Lesnar, but he is one of the best things going in WWE at the moment. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the in-ring action. I can't believe we're this far into the pod and we've not mentioned a headlock or a side uh, hip toss takeover or anything. Uh, On Raw, another really good Raw, I thought. Rhea Ripley goes on a tear Mm. in that gauntlet match to determine the last entrant, uh, Bianca Belair going in last. A disheveled Becky Lynch versus Lita was great. Great range from Brock Lesnar. I I thought Raw 
has been slowly from the doldrums it was in, and I don't think that's an unfair comment, is now pretty watchable. Yeah, I, I'm enjoying bits of Raw, which, like you say, two months ago, I wouldn't have been saying. Um, huge props to Rhea Ripley. I think I read she went 44 minutes in that gauntlet match, which is not easy. Gauntlet matches are either awful or brilliant. I don't think there's a middle ground with gauntlet matches, and they did a good one. They did a really good one on Monday. They can be really interesting or really boring. So well yeah. done for doing a really interesting one. Uh, I like Bianca Belair going in the chamber. I think that's the right call. I also love the, of course, Rhea loses because you you make her, you've got a little bit of sympathy for her there that she goes 44 minutes and can't quite get it done because Bianca Belair comes out last. And that was the right call because if she's beating Bianca Belair after being in there for 44 minutes, then that belittles Bianca, doesn't it? So like that booking... I like how they're heating up the main event scene with the chamber match. Mm. That's the booking for that going into. It's really, really good. Yeah, it, like I said, it was good. The, the Becky Lita stuff is good. Everything, everything on Raw was good. There was well, nothing awful. Lita is doing what many would have thought would be very unlikely, if not impossible, which is getting Becky Lynch booed. And I mm. liked the fact that this confident, brash <sighs> Irish, the man, has come out for the for the segment with Lita, dishevelled and broken and 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 worried about about the situation. And I love that Lita goes, do you know what? I'm not here for just one match because we said going into the Rumble, you need someone to say that. And they've they've ticked every box with that. And and I think I I, I would not be mad about one more Lita run. I think she's she's fantastic and she looks great. I, I think it's been fantastic. Yeah, and the more I see the pros, the more I could see Lita winning the title. At, um, at Chamber and I could see the story being Becky having to overcome this legend who has been there. She hasn't been bested for a while, Becky Lynch, so suddenly the legend she has to overcome. I don't know how they work that with obviously the winner of the Chamber goes into that match. I don't really know. Or oh, I've got a horrible feeling they're going to give us a rerun of that triple threat and move Becky across to his Charlotte and Ronda, which if they do, it shows they know Becky should be wrestling Ronda. So why not just have Becky wrestle Ronda? But I'm not ranting about that again this week. Do, because do, you really too much think that's, do you really think that's where they're going? I don't think it's where they're going. But if you said to me they might, I'd go, yeah, I can understand that we would. They, they've made the mistake before. And WWE, they're not always great at learning from their mistakes, are they? They do double down on them sometimes. I, I was thinking earlier, isn't it, isn't it indicative of where we are? that the match I'm most excited about in the women's division isn't Charlotte Flair mm. and Ronda Rousey. It's Lita and Becky Lynch. And you can make an argument that on paper, they're very similar matches, two title matches, returning stars as baby faces against your established carriers of the roster on the heel side of things. But for some reason, Ronda just isn't clicking with me. It's, it's not quite there. Ronda's not a good face. No, Ronda is a excellent heel. She's not a good face, so I don't know why they book her as a face. She was she was a great face when she came in, and she was yeah. new and novel, and hey, it's Ronda Rousey. But now she's not really UFC's Ronda Rousey. She's WWE's Ronda Rousey. So I, I think, yeah, I don't know where they go with Lita and Becky Lynch. Um, Let's talk quickly about Roman Reigns. How long has it been before we got this deep into a pod without much to say about the man who carried WWE through the pandemic and has arguably been the best thing in wrestling? Yeah, I don't know. We normally open up with him, don't we? Because he's normally brilliant. Uh, Roman Reigns this week claimed that if he was in WCW, it would have stayed and still be around. And that's just a brilliant claim. I, oh, that made me laugh so much. I really enjoyed that. Like, the level of... It, 
Imagine if that wasn't script. Imagine if that's what the man truly believed. Imagine if you actually thought Joe Anawai truly believed that he could have saved WCW. That I really enjoyed that. But don't you think, and look, they have to because they've booked in Goldberg, but WCW died in 2001. WCW is the era of dial-up internet, of curtain haircuts, of David Beckham wearing sarongs. There will be wrestlers on that roster who weren't alive when WCW was 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 in business. I mean, you you what how old were you? Five, six, 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 six years old when WCW went out of business. There is the point where you sort of have to go, enough with this, enough nah, with it. Rome would have saved it, mate. Rome, if Rome had been there, they wouldn't have gone out of business. All right, let's talk a little bit of AEW. We, we've done the, the Cody shock departure. Dynamite, uh, Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara go at it for the TNT title. CM Punk announces the terms of his rematch with MJF. No surprise it's happening at Revolution, but a dog collar match uh, for that particular blood feud. Moxley and Danielson teasing continues, and Adam Cole and Adam Page go at it in the ring. Uh, what, what do you think of what you've seen of Dynamite? Uh, I thought it was a good Dynamite. I've watched most of it this morning. I thought it was a good Dynamite. Second in a row, right? Yes, yeah. It seemed to make sense throughout. There was storytelling in it. We've we've continued stories. We've furthered them. So you run through it. I don't love Dog Collar Match as a premise, but it makes sense for this one. It is a blood feud. I just think there are better stipulations for blood feuds. But yeah, okay, that's what we're doing. If we're going to do it, it makes sense. I like that Punk got the upper hand on MGF so much that he just didn't say anything. He walked off. I loved his photo. Be like, this was the best day of your life. For me, it was just a Friday. Revolution will be the worst day of your life. For me, it'll just be a Sunday. Really enjoyed that. That was very good. You talk about Moxing Danielson tees. Well, it looks like they're going to have to have a really, really horrible match with each other before they become mates. I mean, don't we all? Me and you had a big scrap before we could become mates in Jersey. I it mean, was we, bloody. It was We so had to bleed bloody. together. We said, <laughs> I said, Jack, I'd like to be mates, but we'll need to bleed together first. Also, what happened to my voice then? Also... What I don't understand with that, I love the premise because Moxie is the kind of guy I'd say that. Mm. Have I missed... Has he bled with Punk before, before he was mixed with him last week? Yeah, do you know what? I, I did... I did think that, that that was a little bit of inconsistency in the storyline. The I like, week after. The yeah. week after. That was my only issue. Yeah, no, there's, there's no... That's one of those like things Punk, that someone Punk should have caught. referenced it in his promo. He literally said, thanks for the assist, Moxley. Like, Mox. Like... Oh, that, that was my only slight gripe with that. And I'm being a nitpicking wrestling fan because it looks like, we said last week, would you prefer the tag team of them as wrestlers or the match? It looks like we're getting both. So yeah. happy days. They're, also, this Revolution card is starting to get stacked. And and unlike AEW previously, I get the sense that there's not been as much... Um, long-term thought is unfair, but usually you know a long way out what AEW is going to be doing. We're yeah. sort of putting it together three weeks away, give or take. Which I like. Yeah, and, and I like that. The, I tell you what I really am going to like, that triple threat tag match. Now, whoever ends up in that triple threat tag team title match, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, we know are there. Young Bucks, you think, are maybe going to end up in there. And if we get Red Dragon there as well, well, I mean, well, that, what, what more do you want? That's like a dream sort of match. The only other team I could see coming up is the Kings of the Black Throne. Is that what I think that's what they're calling it? Um, yeah. yeah, those two in there as well. But if so, also brilliant. Like I'd just make it a four-way tag match at that point. Just chuck them in as well. But that'll be unbelievable. You then move forward, Cole and Adam and Hangman. 
that's building up nicely because Cole's being a smarmy little, oh, yeah, brilliant. And I liked, loved Adam Page saying, I've always wondered what it was like for you watching from a distance as your best friends built a wrestling company and they left you behind. And I was like, yeah, because you would be a little bit like, ooh, all right, lads, we, we used to be mates and do all the things together. So that was very good. And then, of course, Cole pretends to be all respectful and then Red Dragon come in, it's a three-on-one assault. That's building nicely. Um, and I'll tell you what I didn't realise I needed, but will be a great match, is Andrade versus Sammy for the TNT yes. title. And also, really good match with Darby. Darby Allen's just that man, isn't he? Who isn't quite at the main event level, but is having great matches just under it, week in, week out. He's the guy you can just bubble up at any point. If you go, we need a main eventer, Darby is your man to, to, to get to that point. I, I would say, because we try and be fair and even-handed on this show, love the dynamite. Hardy family office. I mean, it just, there's not a segment I feel I need to watch because of it. And I just sort of feel sometimes dynamite has this habit of starting off really, really hot. And then just the ending is a little. I won't lie. I don't fully understand it. No, I don't really get it. Uh, and also I think, Probably because I came week in, week out, down a little bit later. I'm not as invested in the inner circle stuff. Mm. So that was obviously a big part of this show. I didn't hate it by any sense and by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not as invested in that as I am the other parts of that, which is fine. You're allowed to be. And probably the longer serving fans are more invested in that, I'd say. Uh, this is uh, from Ross, one of our listeners, uh, Guevara against Alan Magic. Uh, Jericho's match, uh, a weak finish. Jericho looked a little old to me. Uh, worth the watching the show for the Derby match alone, which was just brilliant. I think what we're seeing with Cody departing and the inner circle breaking up, we are seeing a new era for AEW. We- we'd seen it before our eyes. The things that got them through the first two years are now sort of going away. And we're seeing, you know, lovely little Keith Lee vignette. And, and it's not, it's the same product but we're just seeing that evolution of it going forward. Very true. And I think I, things evolved, shouldn't they, as they should. Um, two things coming out of Dynamite for me as well, as I just want to mention. Oh, first of all, that spot where Sammy does the kind of swanton and hits the apron. Because I, I think, I don't know if you're aware, Jack, but the apron is, <laughs> is the hardest part of a wrestling ring. Take a shot. Second now, week in I'll, a row, Charlie yes, sold now, us I'll that. tell you, I'll tell you. Watching NXT through 2017 and 2018, that got mentioned a lot. You learn that a lot in NXT, that the apron ape is the hardest part. Can I ask a question? Yes. What's the hardest part of the rugby pitch? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I say what it is. When it's frozen, it's the lines, the white <laughs> lines, and it's frozen because we've got no grass on them. You hit your knee on them, it's well sore. <laughs> oh, hang on, no, the post. When you hit the post, down again. Also, ooh, Keith Lee and Wardlow in that ladder match together is going to be fun. They're There's just yeah. two big boys making big boy noise. They're That's just, not a saying, but I've made it. It's a saying. It's been in my Google search history. Um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, say, it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to, look, we, well, we didn't even talk about the ladder match. I mean, that is going to be a show stealer potentially at, at Revolution. So who, who, run me through. Can we remember who's confirmed in that at the moment? Wardlow, Keith, Keith Lee. Lee. Is uh, anyone else in it at the moment? Not the not the top of my head that I can remember. I think we got a qualifying match on Rampage coming up. And is it is it a six manner? It has been in the past. Yeah. I so mean, who would you like to see in? Who? Because we need to add some flippy boys to our big boys. Let's be honest. Tell you who I'd like to see in it. Malachi Black. If he's not going to go the tag match, throw him in there. Yeah, I'd like Malachi Black. Uh, okay, I would like to see Dante Martin in there. Yeah. 
I think yep. that would be good. Uh, you need someone who will jump off big things. So let's throw Darby Allen in there as well. Yeah, it makes sense. And let's whack in a, just for a little bit of AEW surprise, let's throw in Samoa Joe or something. Oh, amazing. Like, wow. Okay. Or a Johnny Gargano or but something do you think like they'll that. Do, do you think they'll do a classic, there's a surprise entrant at Revival? I, I, I don't think they can help themselves. I no. don't think they can help themselves. Um, also, I'm going to show my lack of AEW knowledge here. What does the winner get? Well, that's not a lack of knowledge. That That is an issue with it because previously Scorpio Sky won a big circle Sonic. I thought he won a big chip. Yeah. And and that, yeah. So that's what he's won previously. What did the chip do? Maybe it got him a world title match. But honestly, the honest answer is I'm not certain. And therein lies a problem with the match. Because R.A.W doing that thing where they're maybe clamoring around to work out how they do a money in the bank without ripping off money in the bank. Yeah, because Impact just said, we'll just do Feast or Fired, and it's basically exactly the same thing. And I I know some people hate money in the bank. I like it as a stipulation. I don't need it to be money in the bank. I, as we spoke about with the Rumble, you need stakes, particularly for a ladder match. It's not a one-on-one catches catch can one fall to a finish. This is a dangerous match what's making it worth it for the men who are entering now i think they possibly get a shot at the tnt championship right okay but you need to sell that if that's what you're getting that's what you need to sell yeah i know i agree i agree if you love professional wrestling as much as we do there are three simple things you can do right now to support our podcast and keep earning the push growing firstly rate and review us wherever you're listening today secondly hit the subscribe button and thirdly share a little bit of love about what we do here each and every friday on earning the push put us in your social media feeds on twitter on facebook and on instagram it really is as simple as that and now back to the show Shall we do some fantasy booking of the Elimination Chamber? Yes, it is your turn, sir. Before me, we'll do Ryan's. Okay. Um, Now, take Ryan's for what it is, which is... That's never a good start, if we're being honest. I think this is the literal definition of fantasy booking. Oh, good. No, okay, I'm excited then. So here we go. Brace yourself. Uh, Lashley, says Ryan, enters first and gets in a pod, and Austin Theory comes out second. Cody Rhodes then intercepts and decimates Austin Theory before he can make it to the chamber a la Edge that time. AJ Styles comes out third. Cody intercepts and decimates him before he can make it to the chamber again like Edge. Seth Rollins comes out fourth. Cody intercepts and decimates him before he can make it to the chamber. Riddle comes out fifth. Cody intercepts and decimates him before he can make it. Finally, Brock Lesnar comes out. Cody hasn't broken a sweat at this point and challenges Brock to an arm wrestling match on the entryway. Brock accepts. Cody wins with ease, breaking Brock's arm in the process. So he has to be taken to a, quote, local medical facility. Charlie's jaw has dropped as we continue. Cody enters the chamber, which is now a one-on-one match with Lashley, hits the crossroads and pins Bobby Lashley in seven seconds, a la Brock and Kofi that time. Confetti falls from the sky, the chamber rises, and out comes Triple H in his wrestling tights, looking like he means business, and challenges Cody to a match for the WWE title. Cody accepts, but only if Triple H puts his career on the line. The match is on. Bell rings, crossroad hit, pinfall, one, two, three. The bell rings again. Cody retires Triple H and Cody then gets on the mic because he's not finished yet. 
he calls out Roman Reigns. Let's bring WrestleMania to Saudi Arabia, Cody screams to a tepid cheer from the crowd. Roman agrees, title for title, the match is on. Bell rings, crossroads, pinfall, one, two, three. The bell rings again. Cody ends Roman's title reign, becomes a WWE and Universal champion, but not unified because of the two different networks, obviously. We fade to black, end show, book it. Oh, by the way, as a result of retiring Triple H, Cody now has the game as his entrance music, and all this paves the way for the true, true WrestleMania event, Cody and Brandy Rhodes versus the Miz and Maurice. Book it. Yeah, book it, Vince, you coward. That's all I have to say. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Oh, Ryan, that was just brilliant. Um, no, if, I'm, just, I'm happy to see it. If that happens, if that happens, I will cheer. There you go. That's my promise. I won't enjoy it, but I'll cheer at the end of it. It feels like a fever dream to me. It feels like the type of thing when you have a couple of Beecham's and you've got a cold and you go to bed and you have one of those weird, funky dreams about wrestling. I just, I'm not over in breaking Brock's arm in an arm wrestle. That's the bit that got me. I was sort of thinking, okay, okay, okay. Ah, right. Now no, I, was, I, was, I, think I was like, Brock's got to come out. How is he going to beat Brock one-on-one? Ah, an arm wrestle. Yes. Why not? It is fantasy booking for a reason, and, and we embrace that. The, the tough thing is, I know that's what you were going to book, so you've obviously had to rethink yours. <laughs> yeah, this is this is completely rejigged because Ryan, yes. word for word, was mine. So here we go. Right, this is how I think I would do it. Uh, we start with, I'm doing the men's uh, elimination chamber. That's what I'm doing. Uh, we start with AJ and Austin Theory. They start out, much like you, chain wrestling, which I'll be good at. Do your chain wrestling, boys. Don't need to get involved in that. And then out comes Seth Rollins of his chamber, of his pod, and we do some triple threat wrestling. And then Riddle comes out fourth. So we've got four men in the ring doing brilliant boy wrestling, going to be great. And then AJ rolls up Austin Theory for the first elimination. Nothing fancy. So roll up from behind, catches him unaware. And Theory slinks up the entranceway, embarrassed that he got pinned in the chamber that way. And then Vince McMahon's music plays and he comes out and remonstrates with Theory to go back and show some ruthless aggression. So Theory heads back down to the ring, grabs a chair from ringside, gets back into the chamber and lays out AJ Styles for eliminating him. He absolutely decimates him with the chair, takes Styles out, and then we see Rollins take advantage and pin AJ. So we've lost AJ, we've lost Theory. Theory's taken AJ out to cost him his shot. And Seth and Riddle are squaring off until Lashley comes out of his pod and back we go to some triple threat action. And then Riddle pins Rollins with a top rope bro Derek before being speared by Lashley. So we've suddenly seen Riddle pin Rollins. Rollins goes out. Riddle gets his moment. Riddle turns around. Boom. Spear. And Lashley eliminates Riddle. So Riddle is gone. We've got Rollins gone. And Lashley is in the chamber. And then suddenly the countdown goes off for Brock emerging. We're going to get this big bash between these two big boys. And the sort of sound goes off. The door goes to open. But as we see Brock's pod we realize it's not opening. And then the camera pans down and we can see that on the outside, Paul Heyman has come from nowhere and is keeping the pod door shut. It's not going anywhere. And then, much like Elimination Chamber in 2010, the greats come off on either side of Brock's pod and up come the Usos. 
and then up comes Roman Reigns as well. And Brock realizes he's trapped by the bloodline. He's stuck there. And Lashley's just watching all of this go on. And as Brock looks and he's taunted from the outside, he realizes he's got to do something. So he grabs through the chamber and pulls Heyman into the edge of it by his tie. So he's sort of grabbing Heyman and the bloodline are panicked. And that forces the Usos to bust through the glass and drag Lesnar out to the feet of Roman Reigns where they decimate him. They just beat up Brock Lesnar and leave him as a pile. And then Roman Reigns looks at Lashley, gestures to a fallen Lesnar and walks away. And Lashley pins a fallen Lesnar to retain his title as Roman Reigns smirks on from the entrance ramp to set up a big title match at WrestleMania, where Roman Reigns has forced Brock Lesnar to acknowledge him in the chamber. We're off to the races for WrestleMania. That's how I book it. I like it a lot. The, I, the only thing I don't like is I want to see more of Brock and Roman, not Brock and Roman, Brock and Bobby the wrestle. That's the only thing I'd feel shortchanged on on that slightly. Yeah. But I really love the storyline. I like that a lot. I felt the same, but I was thinking, what do I, wh- where, am I, where am I wanting to go? And the only way I could get there was by having Roman Reigns sort of take centre stage. I also thought that maybe the gimmick was a little devalued by having people walk in and out of it so much. But I thought, meh, it's the chamber. It's we can get away with it. Yeah, I, I like it. I like I'd enjoy that because also, yeah, we get straight to Roman Brock again, which we need. We need to heat that story back up. So here's a question. Does Cody Rhodes debut at the chamber? At WrestleMania, night after the Chamber, night after WrestleMania, assuming he's going to WWE, when do you bring him on air? Between uh, soon after the Chamber, because if you're getting him, let's have a WrestleMania match. Uh, but I don't think at the Chamber because I'm not sure everyone watches the Saudi shows. So maybe the Raw after with who? What are you doing with him? If, if, if you're Vince McMahon, you've got this new toy. Let's assume that he question. wants to use him. It's a good question. And, uh, he goes after Bobby Lashley for the title. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what I have happened. He, you, you put him straight in the title feud as a babyface against Lashley as a heel, and instantly you got you got a great fresh yeah. title match. It's it, and me, I'd have him. I'd have him thing. win it. I'd have him win it at Mania. I'd have him win the WWE title because that's all he wants as well. He wants to be WWE champion. So I feel like they might have had to promise him that. And I think it works. I think you can get. I mean, here's the only thing I would say. We're assuming that the WWE audience remembers Cody. And I I know that there's a large portion of fans who remember who Cody is because they follow AEW. But we're also assuming that everyone who watches WWE has followed his progress on the indies and AEW. And there's a good chunk of folks who who probably haven't seen him since he was Stardust. It only takes a quick Google, though, doesn't it? And you understand the magnitude of what's happened if you are a fan who doesn't know. So I I don't think that's too much of an uh, issue. Okay, let's send something from everyday life back to developmental and let's give something the push. First or second for you this week? I'll go first because I'm on a quick this week. Go for it. Back to developmental is selfish people in the gym. Oh, again? Uh, I think I've done people who don't put their weights away and don't clean their weights. This time it's people who just hog equipment. Ah. Uh, like, she just, just, I always said, I almost said, the person it was. Someone in my gym really annoyed me this week. They were hogging about three bits of equipment and two machines, and I just don't think you can do it. So let's all just be a bit more thoughtful of other people using stuff in the gym. I have a question. Yep. You're a big boy, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were looming by my bit of gym kit, 
even though I know you're an absolute teddy bear and an absolute sweetheart, I've seen you on the pitch and I've seen you when you're aggressive. You, you, you could definitely intimidate me off. Does this mean the person hogging the kit is a bigger boy than you? No, 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 because I'm not going to be that guy. I just, I just sit on the other side of the gym and wait for said person to finish. So also, said person's a female, so I'm not going to go and intimidate a woman. That's not cool. Like, I'm not going to go and intimidate anyone either. So, Charlie, um, Charlie, ruthless aggression. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Right. No, so I don't enjoy selfishness in the gym. So let's all just be more thoughtful. And um, like, oh, would you like to use this? Um, Can and- I, okay, I, I, I'm fascinated by this. I don't mean to keep interrupting, but because you are the, the, the pro athlete on this, how many sets is acceptable to do in one go before you get off? And is it acceptable for someone to come up to you and say, can I jump on between your sets? So two, two resources. I've got no issue with someone doing as many sets as they want so they're you, using one thing, so one machine or a squat rack. My issue is when people, and it happened this week, one, the same person will be using, will be supersetting between, let's say, a squat rack on one end of the gym and then also uh, the lat pull down at the other end of the gym and no one else can use either of them while they're doing it because they're using them both. And that's what happened this week. So that, that's, that's where my issue is. Yeah, I don't have an issue with someone coming and saying, oh, while you're resting, let's say I'm squatting, could I do my squats while you're resting? I've got no issue. If someone wants to come and ask that, I'll do that. Yeah, we help each other weights. That's absolutely fine. For some reason, no one's ever asked me that. I don't yeah. know if I people don't like... I hope not many people chat to me in the gym. I'm not one of the most popular in my public gym. Not many people are like, oh, hi, Charlie, how are you? Everyone just seems to stay out of my way. I don't really mind. So that is that is back to that mental. Okay. Um, I said it'd be a quick one. Earning the push is something I have to be careful with because it's not particularly good for me, but it is one of my vices in life. Oh, some breakfast cereal in the evening. <gasps> yes. Yes. I had, some, I had some last night about 10 o'clock and I was a bit peckish. How bad's that? No, it's fine. I, do you know what? We did the shop this week and I picked up some cornflakes and my boyfriend was like, what are you doing? I was like, great for you in the evening, right? Low fat, not too bad for you. Fill a hole. I am with you, 100%. I had, I had some shreddies and granola last night. Oh. The milk. Oh, about half yes. nine, 10 o'clock. And my better half was like, Charlie, we had quite a big dinner. And we did last night. We had quite a big tea. And I was like, yeah, but I'm hungry. And once it gets in my brain, oh, cereal in the evening, you've got, to, you've got to give in to that. You've got to give in to it. So, and it's so, I like cereal. Like cereal's good. But in the evening, it's just a bit better, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. Do you know what? I don't have many vices in life. Whole gay thing to one side, but you know, we Jesus live with that. Jack. I can say it. It's empowering when I say it. <laughs> I don't drink. I don't okay. do drugs. I don't smoke. But do you know what my, my vice is? Cereal in the evening and butter. Just Oh, how good's butter? Sometimes if I have a bagel, I have bagel with my butter, not butter on my bagel. Do you know what I do? I, I put my toast on in the morning. I leave it go cold half an hour. And then, sorry, yeah, cold burnt toast with butter. Joe, that wasn't going to be my earn in the push. It it was going to be the Winter Olympics, but earn in the push is cold, cold burnt toast with butter. Oh, God, you're an animal. You're an animal. You put it in, you let it pop, you put it down, you let it pop again. We're talking not black, black, but at the stage where it could begin to crumble. And you go away, you do something for half an hour, have a shower, do what you need to. You come back, you get the butter from the fridge and you slather it on ice cold. It is sensational. There are a lot of people out there who would very happily give one one reason about your life of why you'd go to hell. They are wrong. (laughs) This is the reason you'll be going to hell. This is it. They are wrong. When I go to hell, 
in the words of Jean Valjean, you are wrong and always have been wrong. They are, they have always wrong. There's nothing wrong with the fact that Jack is gay. But oh my God, the fact that he does this with butter and toast, no. So when I end up in hell and the devil greets me at the fiery gate, oh, this is no surprise. He'll go, yeah, but not for why you think. No, it's the, bu- it's the butter, Jack. It's the <laughs> oh, butter. It's the butter. Can it's I just the... give a little shout out to the Winter Olympics, though? Because yes. I love the Winter Olympics and I love the curling. And I saw you tweet about it. The fact that Steve Cram, middle distance runner, is the curling commentator. It's like this, it's where they go, all right, Steve, you're an Olympian. This is the Olympics. You're in. I also like the fact that I have not seen any of these sports since the last time the Winter mm, Olympics were on. Yet I, I'm still cocky enough to sit there and watch the 1500 meter speed skating. And go, she was a bit wide there. Yes. I've ne- yes. never seen it in, you know, so that, that yeah. I'm sat, there, I'm sat there watching the curling going, we've got the hammer there and we've only taken one point. Are you kidding? <laughs> You've got to take at least three with the hammer, lads. I don't really know what the hammer means. Did you see, and I'm surprised it doesn't happen more, the um, half-pipe skating person, I think from Finland, and it's the one where you do tricks. You go up by the side and you yeah, ski, yeah, yeah. and up he goes, and you see midway down, you think, he's going to hit the cameraman here. <laughs> <laughs> and he's up in the air, and the cameraman's filming him, and then the cameraman clearly realises midway through, Christ, he's coming down on me here. And he just lands on him. And they're both stuck at the top of the half pipe. That is why I love the Winter Olympics. So uh, they can get a push with butter. Uh, look, let's let's um, begin to bring this one home. Elimination Chamber this weekend. Uh, is, is there any chance, any chance, any chance, any chance that Bill Goldberg walks out of Saudi Arabia as the universal champion? Oh, I am. No, just for my sanity. No, but in all seriousness, no, because surely everyone realizes we're getting Roman versus Brock at WrestleMania. Like, so I, I, I've said no on Goldberg before, and he's won the title. But this one, I truly believe he will not win the title because of they've got almost twelve months of booking in Roman and Brock, so they wouldn't throw that away, would they? For Goldberg, I don't, I don't think so. I'm, I'm not nervous about this one. I love that we say anything can happen in wrestling and each week we draw our lines yes cody can go to wwe but surely this won't happen uh, look we will see next week we will be talking all about elimination chamber uh, and whatever else you fancy oh we haven't done any fantasy booking for next week do you want do you have a topic no i don't but i did the chamber i actually came to the party and did some fantasy booking for the first time about three months so you can have another go Let's do how you would debut Cody Rhodes in WWE. That seems, that seems a way to, to do make it. sense. Uh, and look, the fact that months ago, Cody being, well, days ago, Cody being WWE would have been fantasy booking itself. How quickly the wrestling world turns. Whatever goes on in it, we will keep you up to date here on Earning the Push. Thank you for your support. More and more of you listening each and every week. If you haven't already, rate, review, subscribe, get involved. Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter for him. Jack underscore Murley for me. We will see you next week when we'll do it all again. But until then, bye-bye.